0: Let's read the first 12 verses together. Seeing the crowds, he being Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek.
1: I like to say that I'm just humbled to be here today Uh, and not only just here today, but I just I want to say and and give my appreciation uh, on uh, behalf of our family to the Providence family. We have been members since uh, October, I believe, was uh, when that took place and attended uh, for some time before then. And just all the way through, I just want to say how much we have loved getting to know you and truly the welcome that we have felt each even in the midst of a pandemic, the love of Christ has shown at force. So with that, we just say thank you, and we are getting ready and excited to just learn that much more about you as, as we make this our church home as well. And as was shared earlier, I do have the privilege of being an educator. A few years ago, as I was in chapel uh, and uh, at the school that I'm at, I, I was at the, I, I was uh, speaking and I was getting really excited. You'll probably see even today. I like to talk with my hand, so I apologize with that in advance. All right, but I was getting really excited, starting to move around. The platform was uh, fairly high, and I lost my bearings as far as where exactly I was, and then I hit one step, and the next thing I knew, I had face planted at the, uh, at the bottom, and I was inches away from the confidence monitor. Monitor. It was not a good scene, and probably just like is what is going on right now, in that room uh, that day, there were some that were absolutely mortified, thought, we can't laugh at that, and then there was a group of guys that were just dying to laugh at that. It was that funny uh, of an experience. So fast forward to this spring. I'm talking to the uh, seniors uh, of the school and I'm asking them specifically about chapel. I'm wanting to know what can they glean, uh, what, any kind of points of uh, insight that I could have that would just help me uh, along and, and just try and be a better minister of the gospel uh, to uh, our students. And I said, so any suggestions with chapel? And then one of our guys raised a hand being super spiritual, looks at me like, well, you know, that faceplant was pretty funny. You could do that again. <laughs> I'm hoping I don't do that today. Um, and I really was hoping that maybe, and I'm trusting that he remembered more uh, about his experience with us than just me falling down the steps. I, I would love, honestly, for the words uh, that I've spoken through God's word to touch him the way that this sermon resonated with the crowd that day. You know, a lot of times as we read God's word, we forget that this was indeed a sermon. We forget that Christ came and he declared this to them. And then at the end of the sermon, it is stated that the crowd was astonished. Using some cultural vernacular of the day, it was a mic drop moment. They, they had heard something that maybe they had heard refrains of it before. Maybe they had heard somebody uh, speaking before. But this day, the Son of God, Jesus Christ in flesh, came and he declared this powerful message that left them in awe. They were wondering they had never heard it, Scripture says, as one being taught with authority and not as the scribes. And so sometimes we, as we look at this, we have this danger because of it's so rich and it's so vast that we look at Matthew chapter 5 through 7 and we parcel it out. I mean, just think for a moment how many different things you can preach and have heard and can teach on from the Sermon on the Mount. You have the Beatitudes, which is the opening. Then you have about how that we should be salt, light, a city that is set on a hill. You see practical Christian living in testimony and how that the law was fulfilled uh, in in that. You also see how that we shouldn't judge others. You see how that we have a sure foundation that we can build our lives on. These are things that literally sermons have been preached and series have been presented. This was one sermon. And so it's no wonder that the crowd was astonished on that day. It's no wonder that they had saw something come alive. And it's no wonder that the multitudes continue to follow him and try and learn more. Now if we were to back up just a little bit, we also see that Jesus takes this, in this sermon, we can see that his macro message, what is declared to us in the Gospels of what he says, and it's actually said 61 separate times in the Gospels, referring to the kingdom of heaven. You can see that when Jesus' central message and what is characterized as his ministry uh, on earth, it says that as he preached, he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see this constantly over frame. If we were even to go one frame back, his foreteller, John the Baptist, declared, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we go past the Sermon on the Mount and we look at the commissioning of the disciples, uh, and we'll be studying it very soon, even in the book of Luke, you will see Jesus' message uh, telling them, "Tell them, uh, tell the nation of Israel, The kingdom of at heaven is at hand. Now, before we get real deep into the message, it would be good to know what even is this kingdom of heaven. It's said that many times. It's a central message of uh, Jesus' preaching and teaching while he was on earth. And I would uh, sum it up by saying it is speaking about the reign of God, God's reign, the reign that is both present right now and it is the reign that is to come when the age is consummated. As we sing about heaven, it is one day that kingdom reality, but also how we, As citizens in this kingdom are to act, are to live, our dispositions, our behaviors. That's what the kingdom of heaven is it's the reign of God. Now, before we get really, really deep, into uh, the sermon today and uh, into the Beatitudes. I think it's also important to know as we're talking about the kingdom of heaven and we look at these Beatitudes this morning that these Beatitudes are not the script of works that we do to in, uh, enter into the kingdom of heaven. No, that is by Jesus Christ, his grace and His the sufficiency of his work and we accept that freely and he redeems us. But then as citizens of this kingdom, we aspire to live in a certain way that is well-pleasing to him. And so as we look at the beginning of the sermon, and honestly, it's just a little bit humbling even to think this was the beginning. Books have been written only about the beginning of this sermon. We start asking ourselves, how does that fit? And if we think about any sermon, any teaching— You'll always see this intro. So if we already know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that is Jesus' central message, thank God for the blessing of Jesus giving us this message that further illuminates the kingdom of heaven. And any good sermon... We'll have an intro statement. It will have an intro theme that carries across the sermon, and we have that in the Beatitudes, Christ's Sermon on the Mount. It's not just parcelled out. It's not just chunks. These are things that resonate throughout the remainder of the uh, sermon. For instance, if we are really living the Beatitudes that we'll jump into in a moment, we can clearly say that we are the uh, we will be the salt of the earth, the light uh, and like if we're really living the Beatitudes. We can see how that the Lord's prayer would be necessary for us to get the strength and the vision that we need. We can see these Beatitudes resonate through. And so Jesus, in his introduction, uh, a paragraph, so to speak, of this sermon, lays out the Beatitudes that will flood all the way through the remainder of his message. And th- so today— I'd love for us just to look, and, and what are these dispositions? As kingdom of citizen, uh, a kingdom of heaven citizens, as people that are bearing the name of Christ, and people that are striving to be salt and light. Those of us that have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, how shall we live? And then he starts laying them out. Now, for the course of today, I won't be able to go through each one of them. But I am going to just give a quick summary of uh, what they are. So as we look, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. A good way to look at that one is, I am in deficit versus I am sufficient. Blessed are those that mourn. I am sorry versus it's no big deal. Blessed are the meek. I surrender myself my desires my aspirations versus i'm in charge blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness my desire my motivation is to i please god versus i please myself blessed are the merciful i have empathy versus i provide judgment blessed are the pure in heart i have a singular focus Versus, I have multiple priorities. Versus, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. I pursue reconciliation. Versus, I pursue vengeance or my own way. Blessed are the persecution, uh, persecuted. I will endure. Versus, it all depends. Situational ethics. See, if you look at those Beatitudes... And we're going to look and take a flyover of just the different things that these beatitudes, these kingdom of heaven dispositions minister to us. As I read those, here's what I come face to face with. The first part is that they are radically different than our present reality. They're radically different from myself personally, and they're radically different from the ebb and flow of the culture. So I just want to give you a little test today as we examine uh, these pieces. How many of us can, with a clear heart and a clear conscience, uh, say as we got cut off from traffic, that our natural disposition is found in these Beatitudes? Or how many of us can say when we're trying to get the family ready for church? I know that our, our kids are now older, but I distinctly remember when they were littles. There was a lot of times of intense fellowship as we were trying to load the van or load the flex and get to church. The time that we ought to have been the most peaceful time was not. Right, it's like so, and then even in the disposition, as you walk through the course of your life with your family and your friends, can you say that your natural disposition are these things that Jesus, in his introduction of his sermon, lays out? That blessed are these the people that are living this way. And I look at that, and I'm like, all too often, I can honestly say these are radically different than what immediately comes to my mind. I'll give you one more. How many of us really want the Cleveland Browns to be peacemakers when they are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers? See, it's it's just counter cultural. And our dispositions are always uh, we want our own and and the only way that we can get our own is to put somebody else down and, 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 uh, and just to be victorious and competition to the winner goes the spoils you know this is this is how we 're wired I, internally this is it gets into and i 'll get into this more in a moment, but these are radically different and then think about what we even subtly uh, start, uh, subtly teach even in our schools and even in, uh, in our homes. We're, uh, we're teaching about being victorious all the time and having success is a good thing, but not when it comes at the expense of people. But I look at these kingdom of heaven dispositions and I'm like, that's not what Jesus is saying at all. They are radically different than the ebb and flow of culture, and the way that uh, and the things that initially come to my mind. And here's the second part about these kingdom of heaven dispositions, these beatitudes. They're expected. I want us to pause. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be completely transparent. When I first uh, was saved, I was born and raised in church. I had come across Beatitudes. I even remember doing some things in VBS to help me remember what they are. And, And I remember all the time when I was thinking about the Beatitudes, I'm like, these are aspirations. These are things that I should aspire to be. And then once I uh, came to Christ, once I started getting into his word, once I started seeing the themes of these beatitudes, once, then even uh, as I read the fruits of the Spirit about how he's expecting those things to be coming out of abundance of a heart that has been redeemed by Christ, as I started seeing those things, I'm like, wait a minute, those aren't, those aren't aspirations, those are expectations. And I'm like, I, I'm supposed to be acting like this. These are the things uh, that uh, these are the things that my thoughts are supposed to be centered on, and then, uh, and then I so to give myself a little bit of a pass, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to start like chunking my life up a little bit. So, I'm looking at my calendar. I have this tough meeting uh, coming up. I'm going to really work hard to be a peacemaker there, All right? But when my kids are driving me crazy, you know, I can put the whole peacemaking thing on the shelf for a moment. And so I started trying to chunk my life, and then the Lord uh, started really working on it. No, those aren't just aspirations, Denver, and those aren't just uh, moment in time uh, expectations. This is how you are going to be salt and light to a world that needs to hear about me. This is how your conduct is going to be so radically different that it sends a message that something different is residing in you. And then when I come face-to-face with that reality, when I come face-to-face with uh, the fact that if you were to ask my lovely bride if I strive to live these things, I hope and pray that she would say, yes, you do. But then, if you were to ask her, how is he with being meek? Or how is he being poor in spirit? Is he like that all the time? I believe that she would probably deflect a little bit so not to embarrass me. But the reality is, I know that I don't measure up to those things all of the time. And I also believe that if we were just to take an honest investigation of our lives, we would recognize we don't measure up to those all the time. We strive for those. But here's the reality that comes forth: they are expected yet impossible to achieve. And then, so I, and then at that moment, I start understanding a little bit more why John the Baptist, the foreteller of Jesus, had that message of repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I start understanding why Jesus' central message was repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because I realize that these kingdom of heaven truths are impossible for me to achieve in and on my own. I can't achieve those. I come woefully short. And a season of repentance is necessary. For me to acknowledge, I am woefully short, just like Apostle uh, Paul when he uh, declares that uh, woe, uh, woe is me, uh, O wretched man that I am, in Romans seven, where he says, I I can't the things I want to do, I don't do well. The thing, uh, uh, the things that I don't want to do, those I do. O wretched man, I am. And so you see the the beatitude of blessed are those that mourn, those that are sorry for their sins, sorry for their separation from. You see how it comes alive, and you see the necessity of repentance, but you also see and fully begin to appreciate as much as our finite minds can the forgiveness and the grace of of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You start seeing that even though I could check the boxes of all the times that I come short, and I've been on this earth enough to know that there will be many other times, even though it is not my desire, I know the reality of that. Yet I have a Father in heaven who loves me, forgave me, and has made me his child. And so I not only see my need of repentance, but I also see God in heaven making an atonement for my sin because of Jesus Christ, my Savior. And then it flips everything. Lest anybody would think that these are a bunch of activities that we do to gain merit or to gain approval, that's not it at all. These things are things that I want to do as an act of love to my father who sent his son to die for my sins. And so I want these because I recognize as I have them, I can have more of that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the Sermon on the Mount just starts flowing through these on how that they become alive in different situations. So they are expected. They're impossible to achieve, but thank God of what Romans 8 says. Even though Romans 7 says, O wretched man that I am, Romans 8 says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And so as we look at the next part, we see this in the pattern all the way through that the kingdom of heaven dispositions that are identified in these beatitudes, they're rewarded, blessed. Blessed are you when for, and then it gives patterns. And I'm not going to go through each of the, the blessings as they're, as they're named out today, but I do want to point out two things. The first one being is that these blessings, if you would get a mindset around these blessings, these blessings are all about communion and intimacy with God. Impossible to achieve on our own, that's why we need our mediator in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth and guide us uh, into his path and his word to declare that truth to us. But as we are uh, walking and living in them, all uh, these blessings that come are, uh, speak to intimacy and communion with God. I can have mercy. I, I, I can uh, be called the son of God. And they just go on and on. I can embrace the kingdom of heaven as a reality for my life. Because Jesus Christ has paid my debt given me the opportunity to live and empowered by the Holy Spirit to fulfill these things in my life. And the second one, and this is the reality as you read these, I recognize that everyone reading these today, you may be reading them and the situations of your life may be far different compared to the people that are in other seats here this morning. And maybe you are living in a place where you don't feel like there's a lot of peace going on in your life. Or you don't feel like there is this ever-present communion. Uh, and, And certainly there are those times where that is so sweet and the presence of the Lord is so real. But then there are others where we walk by faith. And so if I could encourage each of us this morning that as we are walking, that uh, we—don't be weary in well-doing. Scripture says that we shall reap if we faint not. And that the Lord also says to comfort one another with these words, that even though life is challenging, life is hard, there will be trials. Romans 5 speaks to there will be trials— but he also encourages us that even in those trials, remember the trials, tribulations, work experience. I should say patience, rather. Patience works experience. Experience works hope. Hope in what? That the Lord is working in your life. And then scripture declares, and hope makes us not ashamed. So from be, don't be weary as you are striving to please the Lord and be a light for him, honor him. And then the last part of today, as we look at those kingdom of heaven dispositions, we see that they're not at all like the culture promotes and teaches. We can see uh, that they are indeed radically different. We know that they are impossible to achieve on our own. We know that they are acknowledged, they're rewarded in uh, in God's kingdom, and we also recognize that they render a response. Like, you can't look at these and not have a response. There, there will be, as the Lord is working in our lives— and, We can see where we come short, and we can see the need to repent. And when we see the need to repent, and and we accept that invitation, Christ, uh, we know as we proclaim his truth, says that he can forgive us of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, give us a new family, to which and make us literally a new creation. Or we also know that we can hear these things, and we can hold on to the cultural ebb and flow. The ebb and flow that suggests it's about me. And not even that I'm wanting you to feel bad, but I'm going to take care of me, you take care of you, and, and that'll just be uh, fine. And then all the while missing the fact that what the kingdom of heaven wants to do is draw you into a family where it's not just about you. It's a family where we can grow together together live in communion with our Lord, grow grow in his faith and and grace and knowledge, and see others come into this family as well. That would be God's desire for your life. Not that you keep on fighting the fight of individual self-expression, but that you would find yourself as adopted members into the body of Christ. These kingdom of heaven dispositions are possible in our lives when we're living a life that is spirit-filled, walking with the Lord in communion with him by the redemption afforded to us through his son. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful for your goodness and your mercy. So thankful for the power of your uh, transforming word, Heavenly Father. How it's able to cut into us. How it's able, uh, Lord, by your grace, able to lift us up. And Heavenly Father, by how you are able to redeem us. Dear Lord, we pray today as a church family in our homes, and our neighborhoods, and our workplaces, that these dispositions as we represent your kingdom would become alive in us as we strive to uh, be well-pleasing and a testimony and a light for you. We ask all of these things because of you and for your glory. In Jesus' name
0: we pray, amen. Hey, amen. Let's...